0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio eight ten WHB. I am Nate Bucati, uh joined as always by Carter Augustine in front of the scarf wall at the Compass Minerals Training Headquarters for Sporting Kansas City. Carter, how are you today? Good, Nate. How are you? I'm doing fine. I, apparently, my uh, the phone ringing here at the office <laughs> as well. And uh, and we've got Ali Trost, who is. Uh, well, I guess we can talk about it. You put it out on social yeah. media, Allie. You're, you're battling, uh, you you have tested positive for, for the coronavirus right now. How are you feeling? How are you doing? What's the latest with you?
1: I'm feeling good. I tweeted out today, actually, on Tuesday that I woke up and this is the best I've felt in probably the last four to five days. So on the mend, I'm very grateful that I haven't had a more severe case of it as far as symptoms go, but going to continue to monitor my symptoms and my recovery. But thankful for all of the well wishes and yeah doing well just uh so um i guess bored in quarantine that i already started decorating for fall which is pretty sad given that it is september 8th but no, no. that's what you do that's what you do
0: i'm very team fall decorations yes. especially anytime after labor day we took our kids to the apple orchard um over the weekend Love it and i'm any fall stuff um fall festiveness i'm our uh, festivity whatever you want to call it i'm i'm pro it so we've got uh, all
1: the the salted caramel pumpkin candles going ah, the little fall fake leaves pumpkins everywhere we went all out so that's
2: hey there you go that's
0: that's a that's a fine way
2: carter thoughts i'm trying to hold on to summer i'm a summer kid uh, i always love summer so unfortunately it doesn't really feel like a summer this year so maybe it is time to, to just just uh <laughs> let it go. <laughs> let it go and just move on to fall. The only
0: thing I'm afraid of is that, that fall means that winter is even closer. And I do think winter's gonna be brutal this year, but we'll we'll see. We'll find out. Hey, we've got a busy show for you coming up. We're gonna talk with Eric Hurtado. He was a man that scored the goal for Sporting KC in their two-one loss against Houston this past weekend. Really good dude, and we'll be fun to talk to him. And we'll also talk to another pretty good dude, Cal Williams, the voice of Minnesota United. Of course, uh, my predecessor at the uh, uh, play-by-play job in Kansas City as well. So always fun to catch up with Cal. So that's all straight ahead on the show. Guys, let's get some quick thoughts in on this past weekend for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, we had Carter's Nuggets going through the course of the game. And uh, Carter, I'll just throw it out to you first. Jacob brought up heavy legs a couple times in the second half of that game. Sure, I'm sure it sounds to people like a bit of an excuse for the way that uh, that game got closed out. It looked pretty legit to me though, on the field. What did you see from sporting Kansas city in that game? Maybe that, uh, that, uh, that contributed to that, that, that giving up the lead and the, and the, and the win in the uh, second half.
2: Yeah, I think Jacob's got a a good point there. Um, They looked pretty tired and leggy, especially in the second half. And it's been a lot of games. We talked about, it was five and 16 days that they just went through. Um, You have to, same day travel, go down to Houston. Uh, I think I thought Jacob actually said this in the broadcast, but because it rained on pretty hard on the field just before the game, looked like it was uh, you know a little more exertion needed to, to run around out there as well on the on the soaked pitch. So um, yeah, it's not an excuse, but I don't know, Ali. They they look like they're pretty tired in that second half.
1: Yeah, actually, on the post game show, Chad Reynolds and I were talking about how much that. Disjointedness and breakdown that seemed to occur about five to ten minutes, or you know, even less, just right at the start of the second half, seemed to lead to a really smart decision by Todd Ramos to make the substitutions that he did, which almost immediately led uh, to the first goal there for the Dynamo. That I thought capitalized on what was uh, a big decline for Sporting in that second half. That just kind of caught them on their heels and they couldn't really recover. And, and this Dynamo team is not one to mess with as far as their momentum and, and speed up top. And, and I think that with the depth that they have and that they've been showing, it's a really dangerous team, especially in the second half of games.
0: Oh, where I really noticed it in the second half. That game got so sloppy, and maybe some of it was the conditions of the field. But guys that we have seen who have been really tight on the ball, Kyrie Shelton, Busio, yep. of so many turnovers in the middle of the field just mishit passes and i think in my opinion it seemed like it started to have this cumulative effect maybe they were mishitting some of those passes because they were just they were dog tired uh, they were worn down and because they were mishitting those passes they couldn't maintain possession and you guys have played the game you know how much less energy it really takes to to ha- let the ball do the work when you have it in possession than it does to chase it, to try to get it back. And it seemed like every time they would get the ball back, it would be one or two passes before another miss hit. Then they had to do all that work all over again. And I kind of wonder if that might've played into Peter's decision to sub in Winston Reed for Gotti um in the game. Maybe he had already planned that before the game. I don't know, But it, but it almost seemed like everybody involved was just thinking, man, we just got to hold on and try to get out of here with whatever result we can because the guys are just running out of steam. Carter, what did you see in that regard?
2: Yeah, certainly. I, I think you saw kind of what FC Dallas did here in Kansas City a, a week or so ago where you insert Winston Reed and you're kind of at the point where, hey, we're, we are have our backs against the wall here and we really need to try and hold on and get a result. So, um, yeah, you could be spot on there, Nate. Compounded the uh, – the, the mistakes compound into you have to run a little bit more. That compounds into all of a sudden you're you're a little more tired than than you you want to be. So um, I agree, they didn't keep the balls as well as they normally do.
1: Yeah, which just pulls players out of position. I think we saw that. Uh, Manager Peter Ramiz talked about it too on Albert Elise's goal where uh, Amadou Dia who had a great game outside of this one play got drawn a little too far inside because of the way that Houston was swinging the ball around outside the top of the box and as a result he loses uh, his man he gets pulled out of position and then it's too late to recover and and man mark Elise there and who's wide open puts away a great goal that you know outside of uh, I think a lot of great moments for Tim Melia. There's really nothing you can put on him for the two goals that the Dynamo did score. But Nate, yeah, I'm with you. I think um, that, you know, that that tiredness and and that breakdown that you saw physically led to some out-of-position moments for key players who throughout, again, the first half looked great. I, I thought the team came out with a lot of energy and, and definitely had the upper hand with that first goal. But this Houston team, if you leave them in the game, they're going to find a way in the back of the net. And that's exactly what happened um, on Saturday night.
0: I would make the argument that that Tim even made the game seem closer than it was because he made a big time save in the first half yep. on a one-on-one situation and then obviously made that amazing play on Ariel Lasseter on that 1v1 breakaway in the second half as well. So it could have been worse. I mean, Tim really helped keep him in the game, Carter.
2: I would say kind of the tired legs thing, too, is the, the two services, were, which were fantastic from uh, Quintero and then Val- Valentin. I mean, excellent balls. But um, you wonder if they could have been closed down a little bit better. And, you know, you always hear it in basketball. Mm-hmm. They're trying to feed it into the post. It's a lot easier when you're not defending the guard making the pass. And so if you defend the guard making the pass, if you defend these uh, – these especially Quintero, who's so good on the ball, when he gets in those areas, get a little closer to them. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot more difficult to play the the wonderful service that both of those guys did for the two goals. But, I mean, you have to, you have to give credit to those guys as well because I think they're two good goals from from Houston as well. So as, as much as SKC didn't close down and, and had some mistakes, Houston really took advantage of that with some wonderful play.
0: No yeah. doubt about it. Sporting Kansas City ended up taking the loss. Allie, I'm going to cut you off there so we can get a break because we've got a couple of guests to get to. I guess the good news is, at least for now, Sporting KC is still in first place in the West. There's going to be some games this week leading up to it, so that, that could change by the time Sunday rolls around. But that's something to keep in mind in terms of perspective in the Western Conference. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Eric Hurtado, then the voice of Minnesota United, Cal Williams. It's all straight ahead on the Sporting Kansas City show. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you stream your video content. You want to see our beautiful faces, you can go to the 810 Facebook page, 810 YouTube page and elsewhere, and you can watch the whole show as well. And we're joined now, speaking of handsome faces, by Eric Hurtado, the man that scored a, a beautiful goal, a team goal that uh, was really one of those ones that makes you say that's how sport in Kansas City like to play soccer. Eric Hurtado joins us uh, on the show now. Eric, hey, thanks a lot for the joining us, uh, man. How you doing?
3: I'm good, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, so let, let's, let's get right into that goal, first of all, before we even talk about all the other stuff, because you tell me that thing seemed like every guy on the field was involved in the buildup at some level. Um, what's it like? To be a part of a goal like that in which the entire team kind of seems to, uh, to play a part
3: um, you know it feels really good because the work that we put in in training it just pays off. you know it, it didn't in the moment it didn't feel like we did anything special. it was just like kind of like routine because that's what we've been doing in practice so much. but then when you look back at it and you, you see how many players on the field touch the ball and the amount of passes that we got and, and the formation that we, that we've been working on and get a goal off of it it's a, it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, Eric, you said after the game that that was something you had been practicing and that was a different front line than we've seen this season with yourself, Kyrie Sheldon, and then Graham Zussi. So what was the message from Peter Ramiz before the game and what were his goals for you all out on the field with that unique front line?
3: Um, the goal was to win the game. Um, we needed to pick up points uh, some way or another. And unfortunately we weren't able to, but that was, that was the main goal. And that was the plan was to go out there and, and get a win and, you know, uh, Graham's played that position before, and we felt confident out there, and I think we did well together up top. Um, you know, that's a good thing about this team. You can interchange players in different positions, and, and uh, they can still do really well. Eric, uh, can, you take, can
2: you take me through kind of what you saw on the goal and, and especially that, that run to crash at the back post and, and get the rebound, what was going through your mind?
3: Um, so I checked back and got the ball from Gotti um, or uh, Felipe. And I found Gotti, and I saw that he played Kyrie in. And, you know, I thought, oh, maybe I can get in for a tap, and maybe he can cross me the ball. So I just accelerated a little bit and went in there. I was calling for it, but he he shot it, and it deflected, and it came right to him, and I had to react pretty quick. Um, and, and it went in.
0: We're visiting with Eric Hurtado. And, Eric, I don't know if you know this, but our uh, color commentator, our analyst on the show, on our, our broadcasts, my broadcast partner, Jacob Peterson, was telling me before the game, like before we even went on the air with our broadcast uh, over the weekend that Eric Hurtado is going to have a big game. He, he saw your name in the starting 11 and he said, I've been watching this guy in training and he does something that, that makes me sit up straight every time I'm in training and, and, and catches my attention. I'm telling you, he's ready for this and he's going to go out and he's going to have at least one goal. He told us that before the show started and he said it on the air too. And so he was real fired up when you scored that goal. Um, <laughs> How's that make you feel by the way?
3: Um, you know, that's, it's crazy. He's psychic. Maybe uh, we should get rings from him more often.
0: <laughs> but but he's, you know, what made me think of it when he, when he said that was I, I try to put myself in, in, in your shoes as a player on a team loaded with good offensive players and, your only chance a lot of times to to make noise is going to be in training. And you can go out and do that all you want, but at some point you got to get the opportunity to go out in a game and do it. And so for you, um, do you, I don't know, is it pressure? Is it excitement? It, hey, I get a chance in a real game to go out and show these guys what I'm capable of. What, what's that like for you knowing that, hey, I'm doing this in training, but now I got a chance in a real game to go out and do it.
3: Um. I don't know. I don't think it would be like I got to go out and prove to them that I can do this, you know, because I'm I'm confident in myself and I know I know my teammates and my coaches are confident in me, too. And uh, and when they give me a chance to go out there, um, they're they're confident in me and and I just go out there and I try and work as hard as I can for the team and create as many chances and and do what they ask of me, you know, so any chance that I get, you know, I'm happy for and I'm going to play the same way regardless of of if I'm playing every game or, or coming on as a sub It doesn't matter.
1: Well, and like you said, you're going to make the most of those opportunities and I don't know if you've seen this stat yet, but among m l s players with at least two goals scored and ninety minutes played, you rank first in goals per ninety minutes. So what is it about you know the the opportunity that allows you to really maximize the time that you do have on the field? What does that say about you as a player?
3: I don't know um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess when I get my chance, I take it. I tried to take it, you know. Um, I was fortunate to get a lucky bounce off Kyrie's shot though, you know, um, if I don't get that, I don't get a fortunate bounce, then it doesn't go in. Um, but, you know, I just, you know, I, I, uh, I try and work as hard as I can. And I, and I tell myself that it'll pay off in the end and just keep my head down. And, and I'm just seeing a little bit of that payoff right now. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the win. Um, so it was a little bittersweet.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, a, call a lucky bounce, but I think you create your own luck by by being in yep. that situation yep. and beating a defender across to, to get the goal. But you, you just mentioned it, guys uh, wound up losing to to Houston. And I'm wondering, how, how, how's the mood in the team? A couple of draws before that, but it's been a, been a few games without a win now.
3: Yeah, we know that. We're conscious of that. Um, you know, we're not happy, especially in the locker room after the game. The bus to the plane, the plane was quiet. Like we know, we know that we need to do better and that we can do better. Um, we are still a game ahead and at the top of the West, but that's that's not good enough for us. And we have a chance this weekend to get three points and keep us up in the top. Um, and so that's really our main focus right now. And I know this is going to be a good week of training and um, just just I can't wait for the weekend. You know,
0: <laughs> Eric Hurtado is our guest, but maybe you guys could use a couple extra days to get ready for this after the gauntlet that you just went through with five games in 16 days. This is the closest thing to like a normal week you guys have had at least on the schedule since March. I mean, you've, you had the weird situation of the season getting shut down. You go down to Orlando and play in a weird schedule there where no game seems to kick at a normal time. You come back and you're playing a, a game every three, four days. It seems like, What's it like to actually have a week, like a, like a game on Saturday, then a game on Sunday? Is, it, is, it, is this uh, is this refreshing as heck, just to have a real week to get
3: ready for a game? Honestly, I kind of like playing every fourth day, you know, because and that's what it's about. And, and it's a lot of competition, and we're here to compete, and we're here to win. Um, and so it just feels like a long week right now, and I'm, I'm ready to get back and train. I'm ready to get ready for the game because, I, like I said, I like it like that, and that's what we're used to right now. We're used to the grind.
1: Okay, Eric, I want to pivot away from soccer for just one question here, because the other night during the game, some sporting fans had a little Twitter debate going on. And the question was, who is the sporting Kansas City player that would punch the hardest in a fight? And your name came up (laughs) quite a few times. So my question is, one, do you think it's true that you would have the strongest punch on the team? And two, if not you, or even if it is you, who would you pick as number two?
3: I have to say, I have to say, uh, Tim or Tim or Johnny. And I put myself up there with them. Um, Okay,
1: I said Johnny, so I feel good that someone can back that up for me.
3: Tim's Tim's an animal. (laughs) Yeah. Tim's a beast, so you never know with him. (laughs) See, I
0: think that Johnny Russell's getting extra credit because he's from Scotland and Glasgow at that. And I think that that, you know, there's something to be said for that, but. For me, it's you and Tim. Uh, you know, there's just a different, there's a different sturdiness to the two of you, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: I and I feel like,
1: but I feel like Johnny, after like a couple shots of bourbon, yeah. but sober.
0: <laughs> Johnny Scotch, by the way. It would be Scotch.
1: <laughs> Scotch, bourbon, Whatever. <laughs>
0: That's, that's all right. Hey, Eric, I want you to know this. I'm always even comfortable enough to say this because we're on zoom far away from each other. I did vote for Tim just because I, like you said, that guy is an animal,
3: you know, I mean, that's he cool. just, <laughs> that, that's cool. That's not, he's, he's better with using his hands anyway. So, that's right. So that's fair. But I don't want to get punched by either of you. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, all I'm right. on your side. Keep me in a close second then.
0: There you
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, you, you said, uh, you can't wait for the weekend. You guys got Minnesota United, um, Man, it kind of feels like a like a seven game series or something with with these guys. Uh, played them a few times now. Does that help when you're getting ready to face them this weekend, or, or what's that going to be like?
3: Uh, yeah, I think it helps because you can look back on the game. You know, it's the same team. They're going to have the same tendencies. So you can look back and see what you did well against them and and uh, where you were hurting a little bit. And I think uh, I think we're going to be able to do that pretty easily. Um, just go through film with the coaches and then. Um, just have to go out there and, and do what, what's on the phone.
0: Well, hey, Eric, we appreciate the time. Congratulations on the goal. We know it didn't come in the victory, which was more important to you and everybody, but it still was, was really fun to watch that. And we know there's more to come from you. So thanks a lot for the time and good luck going forward.
3: Thanks. I appreciate all the love. Have a good day, guys.
0: All right, that is Eric Hurtado. If he's not the hardest puncher on the team, he's at least in the top two. I think we've confirmed that right there. We'll take a break. Back with Cal Williams, the voice of Minnesota United, right after this. All right, we continue with a just a, a list of all-star guests on the show. Our thanks to Eric Hurtado for joining us in the last segment. We're now joined by a familiar face and an old friend, Cal Williams, the voice of Minnesota United. Cal, how's it going, man? Thanks for joining us.
4: Yeah, appreciate it. The temperature's changing up here, so I have to now confess it is sweater weather, which I don't mind at all. As you guys know, I'm used to terrible weather being from the UK, but... The winters up here in the Twin cities are something to behold, let me tell you. But we're ready, Um, Allianz Field, which of course is an outdoor stadium, will be interesting uh, in a month's time or so. But uh, we're all ready, Nate, and uh, coming off the back of a very convincing victory, things are looking a little brighter for Minnesota United.
0: Yeah, because uh, there was that disappointing result against FC Dallas, but then that resounding win this past weekend, if you could crystallize it for us, what was the difference?
4: Well, I think um, more than anything, because let's be honest, the result against Houston Dynamo was perhaps best described as paltry and putrid and whatever other word you want to use to describe a really disappointing evening for Minnesota United. It wasn't the best evening, to say the least. So I think there was a reaction that was needed. Adrian Heath went with a couple of different changes. The most notable one was the uh, full debut of Emmanuel Reynoso, the new designated player arriving from Boca Juniors, who been a revelation already we got a really good glimpse of him against rsl he was fabulous in the little pockets in between the lines pulling players out of position pinging the ball um across the field directly was wonderful in the little tight spaces some fabulous little intricate one twos with kevin molino and uh, robin lured who i thought had his best game in a minnesota united jersey as well so it was fabulous to watch, it really was, because Minnesota have been lacking a number 10 for some time now. We were fortunate to have Darwin Quintero um, for a, a couple of seasons at Minnesota United, but I think um, a, a motivated Darwin Quintero is still one of the better number 10s in Major League Soccer, but when you get the wrong side of him and you you get to see the inconsistency of Darwin Quintero, then there is an issue there with him. I think he's performed quite well for the Dynamo so far this year. But Minnesota simply needed somebody who was going to be a little more consistent. And I think they got that with Emmanuel Reynoso. So he was the main difference, no doubt. As I said, Robin Lourdes had his best game in a Minnesota United shirt as well. Um, and the emergence of Jose Aja, the Uruguayan centre-back, has been a surprise to just about all of us up here as well. So I think um, coming off of the result in Houston, I think there was an element of solidity about the team against R.S. So a little more senior, if you will. Um, and I think Minnesota United were, were extremely happy with the outcome of that result against
1: RSL. Cal, I do want to focus, though, a little bit on the Houston Dynamo because Sporting and Minnesota have both had their weaknesses exposed by the Dynamo and similar results, the 5-2 loss for Sporting Kansas City, 3-0 for the Minnesota United. I'm curious, what, in your opinion, has made the Dynamo so difficult for both Sporting and Minnesota in this in this first or part one of the continued MLS season?
4: I think um, it, it's taken time. To my knowledge, having spoken to, to a couple of people around Houston Dynamo, Ali, I, I think um, there was a, a little period, to my knowledge, in the locker room where they were just, the players were just waiting to see what Tab Ramos could do in the sense of, um, from, from a tactical approach. There were one or two disagreements from um, players from one side of the locker room to the other. The South Americans wanted to play a certain way. The North Americans wanted to play another way. Ramos was firmly caught in the middle. And um, I think what he's done more than anything is he's just given the the attacking side of, of the, the side a little bit more freedom. You know, Darwin Quintero starts on the left-hand side, but he's not a left-winger. We, we saw that, didn't we, against Kansas City. We saw that against Minnesota. He floats. He, he doesn't run. He tends to float, doesn't he, you know? It's like sometimes when you get an informed Darwin Quintero, it's like stroking silk, isn't it? You know, he's, he's just wonderful when he gets in the groove. And, um, you know, I think I think he's been a really good signing for them. But but similar to what Minnesota United do, Ali, in the sense of when you've got the wide players either side of the centre-forwards, Tab Ramos actually plays with inverted wingers. So it it does overcrowd the edge of the 18-yard box, which does present problems for teams that do play with the traditional four at the back. And also then those backlines can be forced to stretch a little as well, because if you have the overlapping fullbacks, as Minnesota United do, Houston Dynamo not so much. this and Valentin a little more reserved than Mittenier and Gasper but they still get up and they still cause problems. So I think the, the back line against um, Houston Dynamo for Minnesota and for Kansas City were, were stretched supremely well um, in a negative sense for, for Kansas City and Minnesota. But I, I think that the Houston Dynamo are, are so dynamic when they push forward. When you have somebody like Albert Lee as well and, and a centre forward like Mauro Manotas, and even when you haven't got Minotas, you know the addition of Ramirez was a good pickup. Ariel Lassiter has... has proven that he can score goals on the continental stage as well. Um, did that against Minnesota on his debut as well, grabbing two. So, look, I think the Dynamo are a are side that we perhaps need to watch moving forward. Attacking-wise, I think they're great, but I do think they have um, one or two issues defensively. I think they can be caught out. They are slightly vulnerable defensively, but attacking, they're a joy to watch.
2: So, Sporting will have to, uh, to play Minnesota after – well, they get a week's rest bet- between their games. Um, but they don't have a game to to kind of get back on the right track after that Houston Dynamo game. They'll be going go up against Minnesota. Minnesota had that game this past weekend against RSL, where, they, like you said, they, they had the response. Um, and I want to ask a little bit more about Bebelo. First of all, do you know uh, uh, Bebelo Reynoso? Do you know how he got his nickname at all? I, I'm putting you on the spot there, but I'm just really curious. I think it means it means drink it. It's like a command. In- Spanish. <laughs> <band. laughs> I was just—I was just curious if you knew uh, where you got his nickname from, and then how did? It's a—it's a, it's a big-time signing. How how did it all come about for Minnesota United? Paul, oh, how long have
4: we got? Um, right. <laughs> in terms of in terms of his nickname, Carter. You know, I I hate nicknames on a commentary. So I'm sure that's why you've asked that question because I won't use nicknames. I don't like them at all. If ever I hear you, Mr. Bucati, or you, Mr. Augustine, describing <laughs> having Hernandez as Chicharito, I'm going to slap you. Um, <laughs> so, um, no, I'm
2: looking forward <laughs> to it. I'm a nickname guy.
4: So. <laughs> uh, fight and fight. I want to
0: have a debate right now. Carter and Cal. And I'm serious about this. Time out. 30 seconds for Cal as to why you hate nicknames, and then I'll allow a rebuttal from Carter Augustine.
4: I don't need 30 seconds, Nate. I just need a couple. <laughs> it's not his name. <laughs> It's as simple as that. Hi, <laughs>
0: right, Carter. The floor is yours.
2: <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny considering Nate's been trying to put a nickname on me for some time, and I'm very anti that portion of nicknames. But um... yeah,
0: this is ironic, by the way, Cal, because Carter has slapped that nickname away from me so vi- viciously that I finally gave it up. Which I still maintain, name? El Jefe is a terrific name for him. It's one that that, that commands respect and it has a, an element of authority to it and uh, a little bit of, uh, of ethnicity that he doesn't possess. You know, <laughs> so I just, it, it was a perfect nickname, but he he has flatly refused it the way you have all nicknames. So uh, I'm, I'm, I now want to hear Carter be pro nickname. I want to hear what he has to say back to this.
2: Yeah, I'm pro nickname for these soccer guys. You know, we like to see some some flair out there on the pitch and and Cal's really sounding like the guy that doesn't like Neymar doing cool dribbling skills where you know I I, I want to see that. So let me see these these nicknames, let me see these cool dribbling skills, let me see these celebrations.
4: Yeah, we'll we'll perhaps get deeper into this later another time, Mr. augustine <laughs> because uh yeah, it that uh, you're going into the Brazilian territory here, that's a completely different kettle of fish. We'll talk <laughs> about that. shall wait. By the way, I thought it was um, I, I thought it was uh, the Jefe, not, not El Jefe. It not matter. I mean, I, I don't think you've told me. Anyway, Quite but, more accurate. <laughs> in, in terms of, uh, of Emmanuel Reynoso, no idea who this Bebello <laughs> is talking about. Emmanuel Reynoso is um, is a, a statement signing, in my opinion. I think for, for too long, this franchise um, was a little bit taken advantage of on the international market. I don't think they had the right person in charge. I've said this before in terms of the the general manager going out and making the types of signings that they wanted to on the international market. I think that's now changed with, with Mark Watson taking over as the technical director. Um, and, and let me tell you, in terms of getting the deal done, it was a lengthy process. And obviously, COVID-19 and all the issues that has caused played its part. But even prior to this, there were issues with Boca Juniors trying to agree a fee, trying to agree add-ons. Uh, dealing with the um, the Boca Juniors technical director, uh, an individual called uh, Raquel May, who, um, you know, uh, deep and, and uh, huge football fans will, will know that name. Uh, um, work ethic, not his strongest point, I'm hearing, um, <laughs> after his uh, post-playing career. Um, but they got it done at the end of the day. And look, there are a few things that I think are key with, with this deal here, Carter. I think, number one, Emmanuel Reynoso wanted to come to Minnesota. Not just Major League Soccer, he wanted to come to Minnesota when he first heard of the deal and the possibility of it, he was he was set and he was sold and he wanted to come. And Mark Watson did a tremendous job in uh, in selling that. So so well done to him. Um, I was told as well that when Mark Watson sat down with Emmanuel Reynoso and, and said to him, "Look, we want you to be the number ten. We want you to be the guy." For those unaware, wearing number ten in Argentina is a humongous deal. When you think of some of the players in the past and in the present that have worn the number ten. Raquel Mayen is one that, that, that comes straight to mind. But Diego Maradona, Lionel Messi are just names that, that straight away come to the mind. It's a huge deal to wear the number 10. Emmanuel Reynoso for Boca Juniors uh, was playing a little deeper for, for um, the Argentine Super Club. A reason for that was because another person who donned the number 10 for the Argentine national team, Carlos Tevez, was playing a little deeper as the number 10 for Boca Juniors. But I think it says a lot in the fact that during his time at Boca Juniors, Renoso had three different managers. And each time those managers wanted to get him into the starting 11. It wasn't at the 10, but it was enough where they they put him into an eight role where he could get up and down and still be a part of the, the attacking units. So, I bring up the number 10 story because when Mark Watson sat down with Emmanuel Reynoso to discuss his role for Minnesota, he said, we want you to be the number 10, we want you to be the guy. Emmanuel Reynoso, I was told, then had a little tear run down his cheek because it means so much. And Mm -hmm. that is when the deal was sold, the fact that he was going to be the number 10, right then and then. That's when the deal was done and uh, they've not looked back since.
0: We're visiting with Cal Williams. I want to correct something, too. I, I had a little bit of a slip when I had mentioned the, the rough result for Minnesota against, I said, FC Dallas. That was the same night Sporting played FC Dallas, and you guys played the Houston Dynamo, and I got my Texas squads a uh, little crossed, uh, crossed up there. But um, now you do play FC Dallas on Wednesday. Carter mentioned that. That's correct, right? I don't have the schedule in front of me. Yes,
4: yes. And, Nate, don't worry, because prior to the Houston result, we'd had a rough evening against FC Dallas anyway, so no problem. <laughs>
0: okay, well, then I should have just kept it going and act natural. Um, but, but Carter mentioned it, having a game in the middle of the week, we all know that that can, that can change things up when it comes to squad rotation or heavy legs and all of that. Um, t- tell us maybe about what you're looking forward to as we're recording this on a Tuesday. You guys play FC Dallas on a Wednesday. Maybe what are you anticipating out of that match and do you see that affecting much in terms of the way, since we don't really know what the schedule is going to be after Sunday, uh, how do you see um, Adrian Heath trying to manage the roster for this week?
4: Well, we don't know the schedule, but I'm sure at some stage, at the latter stage of this week, the coaching staff um, for just about every team in MLS possibly <laughs> may know the schedule. Who, who knows? We'll wait and see. You would assume they would know the schedule. Right. Um, So I don't know. What I do know, Nate, is that Adrian Heath, when he has a winning side, he doesn't change it. It's very rare. So I'd be surprised if there were any major changes for the Wednesday evening game against FC Dallas. But moving ahead towards Kansas City a few days after, it's an away game. So it wouldn't surprise me if there were one or two adjustments. The big question is, what are those adjustments? Because as it stands, as you mentioned, recording this on a Tuesday, there are five first-team starters out for Minnesota United with injuries. Mm. Alan Miller, the first-team goalkeeper, is out. As you know, Iko Parra has been out for some time now as well. Ethan Finlay, Ozzy Alonso and Luis Amaria, Adrian Heath said today, have all got issues and could be out potentially for a couple of weeks. Arlen Schoenfeld as well were led to believe is also unavailable for Wednesday evening's game. So... Right now, Minnesota United, despite some fabulous investment in the off-season, are perhaps about as short as they've been for a long time, Nate. I wonder, does that force the hands of the coaching staff and the technical director to go and make a trade or two? You know, uh, there's, there's whispers already that potentially that could very well be the case. Um, so, um, the reason I bring this up is because maybe we see a new face or two for the game against Sporting Kansas City. But... Um, I think right now with the roster that Adrian Heath has available to him, it is limited. The options are limited and the way that they want to play is limited as well. I mentioned Amaria and Schoenfeld both out injured. That leaves just Mason Toy as the lone centre forward. Now, Mason Toy on his day is very good at stretching back lines uh, and has plenty of pace and can be a general nuisance. But when he's off his game, um, he's not particularly pleasant to watch. And I think that's been kind to him. And um, I think what it does is it does limit Minnesota uh, in terms of how they want to play. I think going up against Kansas City at Children's Mercy Park, you would probably expect any side really to go a a little more direct than usual. Um, That would perhaps insinuate that Arnold Schoenfeld would be the the lone centre forward. He's a big centre forward, big target man. So that wouldn't surprise me if he is available. But right now, as I said, they only have Mason Toy available on Tuesday uh, for the Wednesday game and I don't know how it's going to look in a few days time the one thing I am certain of though Nate is that Emmanuel Reynoso will be at center stage once again
1: well and Cal as we know injuries breed inconsistencies and I've been thinking about something that manager Peter Vermees of Sporting Kansas City said in a press conference a couple weeks ago and he kind of flipped the question on the media and said show me a team In this weird 2020 season that's been consistent or has showed consistency. So my question to you is number one, is there a team to you that has played consistently and And two, how long do you anticipate it will take for teams to start showing that cadence and that continuity and chemistry that seems to be missing at times, uh, you know, in, in a string of games.
4: Ali, it's a good question. I I think that the the answer is I can't think off the top of my head of any side that has been consistent in terms of results. In terms of the way that people are playing and teams are playing, I think there's been plenty of teams that have been consistent and that have remained true to their identity. I think Seattle Sounders, in the way that they play moving forward, have been good. Defensively vulnerable again, in my opinion. Um, I think LAFC, even with the, the issues they've had in terms of losing Carlos Vela and co., Um, have remained loyal to the way that they want to play. I think you could perhaps, I mean, you guys tell me, you could perhaps say Sporting Kansas City have remained consistent in the way that they want to play, but results not necessarily. Um, So, look, 2020 is is the epitome of an anomaly, isn't it? We have absolutely no idea what's around the corner, and we're not entirely sure what was the corner that we came from either. This is all (laughs) new to us. We have no idea. So I think it's just... um, you know, fair play, and, and it's, it's major kudos been given out to, to any team that are doing well at the moment. You know, I, I think Sporting Kansas City and Minnesota United should be commended for the efforts um, that they've shown so far. I, I think the likes of Portland Timbers as well. Obviously, the MLS is Back Tournament winners. Um, perhaps the, the one side I would also say that would uh, be added to that list that, that I said earlier on of teams that have been consistent in identity. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, it, it's 2020, and it is just beyond bizarre right now, isn't it? And um, I, I, I don't really have a solid answer for your question, I'm afraid. So it's just a very strange season. And uh, the one thing I do know, though, is that moving forward, consistency, whatever the season looks like, consistency will be key.
2: Well, Sporting trying to get back on that consistent track. They're, they're going up against Minnesota. This is the last team they beat um, at, uh, up at Allianz Fields what's that in terms of minnesota is there any hey we get to play these guys right away and try and and go back on on what just happened up at our place or is it going to be uh i'm just i don't know about you but i'm really fascinated with the the tactical battles when you see uh teams match up against each other so many times in in a short space
4: yeah i'm um I'm aware, Carter, that there's a tremendous amount of respect between the two coaching staff here at Kansas City and Minnesota. They both have a lot of time for each other. They've shared several glasses, if not bottles of wine, in the past. And, um, you know, I think um, that there is general uh, and obvious respect there. And you're right in the sense that it is almost, and I hate comparing football to a chess match because I find chess tedious, but it, it, it is, <laughs> isn't it? It, it? it really is, from from a, a shape point of view and a formation point of view, it's probably the best comparison. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of Peter Vermees' system uh, and how he has implemented it for many, many years. Now, there's been one or two tweaks over the, the last couple of years, which you guys will, of course, be, be more than aware of. But. Um, you know, again, I, I would expect, once more, Minnesota to be getting the ball into the feet of Emmanuel Reynoso, should he play, of course. I don't see why why he wouldn't. But the one thing I'll say about him is, is prior to when he came on for 20 minutes against Houston and then played um, this past weekend against RSL, it was his first competitive football since March. So you have to be careful. You know, big DP signing, the last thing you want is him to, to tweak a muscle or something. So um, I, I think, again... Providing that Reynoso plays, I would assume the ball would be with him a lot in between the lines. He would be either side of whoever plays in in that sixth role for Kansas City. I'm assuming it's going to be Gianluca Busio, who I thought has looked fabulous so far. Um, Maybe Emmanuel Reynoso will be a little too much to handle for the young American, maybe. I don't know. Um, But it'll all be about those three playing behind the centre-forward, whoever that is. Again, as as I mentioned, there could be some moves there. Could be the situation where Mason Toy gets a start again. Maybe Amarillo's injury isn't as bad as we fear. Um, but Emmanuel Reynoso, again, is absolutely vital to the cause here for Minnesota United. And, and again, I think either side of him, Molino is fabulous when he tucks inside and when he really fancies it. Robin Lurd has now hit a little vein of, of form and, and looks confident again because he's not looked confident, honestly, since he's come into Major League Soccer. So for me, it's all about those three that'll operate just in between the, the central midfield and the centre backs.
0: Well, I think I can speak for both of us as commentators, Cal, when I say I just hope that if there are goals on Sunday, they are not own goals, that uh, they are beautiful works of uh, soccer uh, creativity and, uh, and, and majesty and all that because own goals, you know, eh. <laughs> and that's, what we, that's what we had last time around. We don't want that. We want some beautiful soccer to be played. And, uh, and hey, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, Good luck to your squad on Wednesday, and, uh, and we'll see you on Sunday.
4: Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a good show.
0: All right, that is Cal Williams, voice of Minnesota United. We'll be back to wrap things up on the Sporting Kansas City show right after this. All right, we are back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show as our thanks to Eric Hurtado and Cal Williams. I want so bad to come up with a nickname for Cal now that we have to refer to him by his nickname all the time, Uh, Carter, because he can't slap us via Zoom, right? He says he'll slap us next time he sees us if we use the nicknames. But anyways, always great to talk to our buddy Cal Williams. Now uh, for Sporting KC, a week to get ready for Minnesota United and look guys I don't know about you I heard we heard from Eric he said he'd he'd rather play games every three or four days Um, and I like that attitude and I hope the players feel that way I think we're going to see a refreshed Sporting Kansas City side on Sunday come out and look almost completely different than the one that we saw on Saturday in Houston what about you I'll start with you Allie what do you think
1: yeah I think when I think about what Eric was saying, I almost wonder if he meant more so from the mental side, where if you have a, a result you aren't happy with, you immediately just want to get back and kind of right the wrongs and get back in the saddle. Whereas the, the physical time off where you can heal and, and really just get physically refreshed and ready for a game, I think is very valuable and something that sporting will definitely benefit from come Sunday, Sunday, yes, that's the game. I am, my schedule is right in my head. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of that, you also have a couple of sporting players that have a few knocks that they're coming back from. So I think this will also be valuable for players like Roger Espinoza, Alan Polito. also, uh, according to Vermees, recovering from a knock of his own. So I think this will help the team get some of that depth back that they haven't been missing necessarily because I think that they still had a considerable amount of depth in in all of their key positions. But they'll be at full strength, hopefully, come Sunday.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at uh, what Eric Hortado said about you know, it's four games now without a win, and so uh, it. Uh, he said they they had a silent plane ride back from Houston. I think it's in the top of their minds. So, yeah, good good week of rest for the legs. And then, um, listen, they've been in first place for so long, but I th- I'm sure they would have liked to get at least a, a win or two out of these last four games to keep pushing themselves above the rest of the pack. So what I'm looking for is, is what – we just heard from Cal Williams, Minnesota did in the last game a response from from Sporting Kansas City in this game. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the addition of Reynoso. And I thought that was really well illustrated by by Cal, the battle that he will have with whoever plays the number six for Sporting Kansas City. And that will be a big task for if it is Gianluca Busio, whoever's in that number six role, to try and keep tabs on the, the new playmaker for Minnesota United. So I'm excited to see him. Um, and, uh, you know, this, it's a little bit of a wrinkle, right? In terms of these teams have played each other a couple times already this season, but now there's a big time player coming in from Minnesota United that will make the game a, a little different than it has been in the, in the previous two.
0: That's something that uh, Jacob Peterson's pointed out to me a few times since Busio took over the six in, in place of Elie, who's, who's gone right now. By the way, Peter said he might be back as soon as sometime this week. So we'll see about that. But he has said really hasn't faced that pure number 10 because not every team has a pure number 10 on the field. And he, he's he's told me a couple of times, like I really am anxious to see how Boost looks when he goes up against one of those guys. And that's going to be another step in the learning experience for young young Jean Luca Bucio if that matchup ends up happening on Sunday. So we'll find out. 730 kickoff at Children's Mercy Park. Pre-game show on Fox Sports Kansas City at 7 o'clock. Our play-by-play on sports, well, it's actually going to be on our sister station, 94.5 FM ESPN Kansas City, and on uh, on Fox Sports Kansas City as well. That's all straight ahead. So for Eric Hurtado and for Cal Williams, Carter Augustine, Ali Trost, that's going to do it for this edition. You got something else, Carter, before we
2: let you go? Yeah, I just want to uh, first of all, Allie, feel better. I hope you hope Thank you're feeling you. better next time we talk. And then secondly, let's make sure everyone gets out to thepitchkc.com and votes for our man Nate Bukaty in terms of the uh, you know radio yes. personality of the year in Kansas City. Get there, vote. Wow, yeah, eight, eight, Steven, my campaign chairman. There I'm, I'm right. all for it.
1: Ten, very well represented. Uh, Border Patrol's yeah. got a little competition though with Nate and Steven, but sporting fans.
0: We don't want to talk about well, those other guys, Allie. Come on. I'm you, decide where all you all on games? here. Are
2: you guys going to split votes?
1: No, 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 no. I was just going to say, Nate, you have all of sporting Kansas City behind you. So that should be a leg up, if anything.
0: All right, there you go. And all I, the I,
1: listeners on Allie, the show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't vote. Are you kidding me? I'm not voting. I've got, I know all of you too well.
2: I'm worried about, like, uh, the split MVP vote. You know, it is gonna, it, the, the two <laughs> clear favorites are on the same team, so they're going to split votes, and then there's going to be a – you know, and that's what I'm, I'm worried about. But,
0: yeah.
2: uh, like, well, like yeah, well, LeBron and Anthony Davis here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's team game. It's team game. We're all, we're all trying to win this thing as a team. So, I appreciate the shout, Carter. And uh, that's going to do it for us for now. We will see you next week on the Sporting Kansas City show.